Today, because of the topic, the series, how to unfollow and unfriend, I'm going to explain this to you. But in order to do that, I kind of need to intentionally, right now, kind of like poke at some, so, you know, some things that are happening in our society. Um, I need to stir the pot a little bit with you and your emotions. Uh, and so in order to do that, I want to share a video that I was really tempted to share this week. So let's watch this video together. In these certain times, in these certain times, in these certain times, one thing that's for certain is our level of certainty. You don't have to wonder what's going on. There are answers. All you need is a favorite podcast or an acquaintance that works at a hospital. In just two months, we have managed to collectively come together and all become experts, experts, experts on pandemic-related topics. Just call up a relative. Ask a neighbor. They will know for certain whether or not COVID-19 was manufactured in a lab or if the United States is just interested in making money off of vaccinations. Sure, a doctor who's studied infectious disease for 45 years might have one thing to say. But you read a blog post written by your friend's former classmate, and you skimmed the first couple paragraphs of an Atlantic article that you would have kept reading had you not scrolled down and seen how long it was. Who's to say who's right? We are. We are. We are in these certain times. If something labeled a documentary shows up on your Facebook feed, you can be 100% certain it is certainly true. It's a documentary after all. They wouldn't call it a documentary if it wasn't true. In no uncertain terms, there are good guys and there are bad guys. The good guys are the ones you agree with, obviously. And the bad guys, they're the ones who are biased, unobjective, agenda-driven. Watch the other channel. Certainty and correctness go hand in hand. The more certain you feel, the more correct you are. Certainly this isn't something that the entire world is uncertain about. I can say for certain that who you voted for in the 2016 presidential election determines what you think about this pandemic and what's really going on. In these certain times, you can be certain. I can be certain. Don't let anyone take away your certainty. Your certain beliefs are the right ones. And there's a study that confirms it. We're all in this apart. We're all in this apart. One of my favorite lines in that video, hopefully you liked it, uh, is, uh, is certainty and correctness go together. The more certain you are, the more correct you are. And don't worry, because there's a study that confirms it. And, and for me, again, I, this is something I probably would have shared. I know some other people may have shared it uh, this week as well. Um, and, and, and listen, this, this sometimes is going to come across to folks like, look, you know, this, this guy, Matt, he's just not taking this thing seriously enough. It's a serious issue going on. I don't like the humor. Matt's always sharing things that sort of rub me the wrong way. I don't agree with, you know, with his opinion on things. And, and, uh, and, and, and there's, a, there's a solution to that, right? Uh, just when I thought you know, social media couldn't get passive aggressive enough, uh, Facebook went and topped it. I don't even know how, how long ago this was, but I just discovered it several months ago that you could hit this little button, the little three dots in the corner, on anyone that you're following on social media, and you can say, I want to unfollow them. I want to unfollow them, meaning I want to stop seeing their posts, but stay friends. Yeah, that's that passive-aggressive, right? Like, I want to cut you from my life. I want to cut you out of my, my visual distance, and, and, but I don't want you to know that I did that. 
Now, I use, uh, this is a buddy of mine, Derek Turner. I'm using his as an example only because it's really funny. I actually, uh, several months ago, I've, I, was, uh, I was scrolling through and I had, I had an acquaintance of mine, not I wouldn't say a close friend, but an acquaintance of mine who was sharing a great deal of political posts and I don't know, they shared about 19 a day and I got like 18 of them in my, in my feed. And so I was kind of like, you know what, I just need to, I need to unfollow this person. And I went to go do it really quickly and I actually unfollowed my friend Derek, who's the pastor over River Church here in Lake Norman. And I followed him and I was like, oh my goodness, it, it, like it just happened. And then I, ha- and just to let you know, to follow someone back who you've unfollowed is a whole lot harder to do than to initially unfollow them. So uh, we love Derek, we love River Church, and <laughs> that was just, uh, I used him as an example because I actually did that by mistake. I actually unfollowed him. Uh, when we originally decided or talked about this topic, this how to unfollow and not unfriend, um, we, re- we originally had this just around the idea of politics, okay, just the idea of the election year and things like that. But right now with the growing social divide, that's happening and the way people are conducting themselves online, which is a lot of what we're going to be talking about in this series. Um, it is still, yes, sometimes political, but right now during this, I mean, when no one saw this coming during right now, this unique season in our history, um, there's a great deal of division. There's a great deal of disagreement. There's a great deal of, of arguing. There's a great deal of, of strife that's coming along with something that's already very, very stressful. And I felt like this is something we need to have a conversation about. Okay, And so we are taking this series and talking about the idea of disagreeing with one another. And what does that look like? And, and, and here's where the bottom line is that I want to head today. Uh, disagreement does not have to equal division. Okay, Disagreement does not have to equal division. Uh, just the same way that argument, or sorry, agreement, not arguments, but agreements, doesn't necessarily equal unity. All right, Now I can disagree with you on things and still choose to not allow that to cause a division, right? And I'll just go ahead and let you know, as your pastor, I want you to understand, there's, there's probably things about this pandemic and the way that the people are responding to it. There's a lot about that that we probably don't agree on everything. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that it's gonna cause division. Our disagreement doesn't have to cause division. And the fact that we don't agree doesn't mean that we, don't, we can't remain unified. Doesn't mean that I won't stand with you and stand for you and, and that we're, we really are all in this together, not apart, but in this together. But these are some of the social paradigm shifts that's taking root in our society right now, especially in our social media culture, especially in our communication uh, culture. That I'll be honest, when we believe that disagreements cause division and we allow them to cause division, or we agree that because you don't agree with me on something that we are no longer united or unified in some way, um, when we go down this path, it really does derail us from the lives I think God's calling us to live and the people he's calling us to be. So today we're going to talk specifically about uh, disagreements. This is a great quote from uh, Charles Glassman. It says, the statement at the core of all disagreements, right? I'm right, you're wrong. Maybe you're right, I'm wrong, right? And God has plenty to say to us through his word about the way in which we argue, about the way in which we treat each other, about the way we handle our disagreements. Let me just walk you through a few. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments. It only starts fights. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel. That's another word that they use, but it means the same thing. But must be kind to one another, or to everyone, and be able to teach and be patient 
with difficult people. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking yourself. You're like, Matt, I understand. But it's so hard. They're so difficult. But what if this verse is actually talking about you? What if you are not, what if they are not the only difficult one in the quarrel or in the argument? Proverbs tells us that unfriendly people only care about themselves and they lash out at common sense. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. And you're like, Matt, I get it. But, you, you know, they don't care about understanding. They just want to air it all out. They just want to air out their opinions. I would never do that. I mean, sometimes I do that, but I wouldn't consider myself a fool. I, I would never just do that. James says it this way. He asks the question because he wants to walk them down a path of understanding. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil passions at war within you? And he goes on to give some examples that we would struggle with today in terms of our Western um, civil society. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that when it comes to evil passions or the things that drive us, I can't think of one right now in our, in our society that's, that's uh, any more of a driving passion than to be right. Okay? In terms of just you feeling that drive to be right, it's such a huge driving passion that's in our flesh, that's driving a lot of the fights and quarrels and, and disagreements among us. And you want to know when it's most important when that, that I'm right? It's when I see how wrong everyone else is, right? When I see how wrong other people are, it's the most important time in which I need to help them because I'm right. And there are two themes that we're going to talk about in this series. Um, two things, not an either-or thing, but just two big themes when we talk about how we engage and how we, how we actually can disagree without division. And here's the two themes, freedom and responsibility. We have to talk about both because we are free. We live in freedom not only in Christ, but we also have the fortunate opportunity that we live in a land, we live in a country, we live with laws that give us our freedom of speech. And that's a very, not every country in the world can say that. And so this is a very good thing that we have is our freedom, not just in Christ, but our freedom to say what we'd like to say. Now it goes a little overboard. So welcome to social media. You're free to say whatever you'd like to say. But we also have to address responsibility. We are responsible for the words we say and the words we share, especially in the social media context, and it reflects something about us. So we're responsible for how we engage and how we respond. How we engage in conversation about anything, okay? I'll, I'll just go ahead and say that. Like, I can be, I, I already know, even when I'm teaching or reading scripture, I already know that there's people who disagree with scripture, they already disagree with what God has to say about something. They already disagree with some of that context. So I have to, I have to be, I'm responsible for how I engage in conversation. I'm also responsible for how I respond. When people come at me or things go sideways in a conversation, I'm responsible for how I respond as well as how I engage. And the first thing I just want to talk about in terms of engagement is how we talk is as important as what we talk about. I wanted to say more important, but I don't know if it's more important. It's just you can't do one without the other. How we talk about something is as important as what it is we're choosing to talk about. One of the things missing right now in our social media world, and especially in our disagreements, is body language, face expressions, tone, volume. All those things are missing from the, the little text box thread when we respond or we engage 
in conversation. And I'm telling you, so much can be lost in what we're trying to say because of how we're saying it. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, <laughs> that if I could speak all the languages, right? He's, just, he's talking about like this beautiful, this beautiful superpower, right? If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal, right? I mean, what if I had the superpower to, to speak in such a way that you could fully understand and fully understand everything? I mean, I'm, I could speak every language. I could speak the nuances. I could speak unknown, mysterious languages of the angels above. But Paul says, but if love is not the primary voice in how you say that, if love's not there in how you say it, notice Paul didn't say logic or scientific proof or a consensus of a narrative, like he said, those things are probably important to you, but if love is not there, if it's not the primary voice in how you say something, you are nothing but noise. What you say, what you respond to, how you engage in the conversation, it's just noise. Nobody wants to be just noise. How we respond is important too. Here's how James said, a challenge to the church. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all, speaking to all of us, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, right? Like this is, this is not going to get you anywhere, especially in these disagreements that we're talking about right now, especially around these topics of, of our pandemic and the way we respond and things that are going on in our country and politics and across the board. How we engage in things matters. How we talk about the matter. The things that we say matter. And this verse has the opportunity, honestly, to just transform you and transform uh, the, the way we interact online. What if we spent the lion's share of, of what we were doing actually listening to people and actually listening and thinking about how we want to say what we want to say before we actually say it? Wow! Novel! I want to I take time which is why it's quick to listen, but slow to speak. And I want to be slow to respond. Man, some of the comments that I see sometimes and reactions that people have, uh, they are not slow. <laughs> they are not slow to get angry. Because sometimes, and I'll go on to talk a little bit more about that, but why we feel attacked and why some of these arguments really do get out of hand. Guys, the words we say and, sh and share matter. How we say and share them matter. I, I don't want you to fall for the illusion. This is a big deal for social media. I don't want you to fall for the illusion that just because you didn't say it. I love the, I love the posts that say, I'm just going to put this here. I'm just going to drop this here. Like, oh, this is all I've done. But now watch this person yell at people. Watch this person demean people. Watch this article derate people. Watch this article, you know, you know call people out. Like, it's, you're falling for the illusion that that doesn't matter because you didn't say it. But the problem is, in the context in which we are currently engaging with one another, it does matter. It does matter how that article was written. It does matter how it's being said. It matters how the video is, be, is being, uh, the person on the video is saying things. Because you are the one who chose to share it. You are the one who chose to hook, you know, plant your flag in their statements. And it reflects on you. And it reflects how you are actually still communicating with people. It's honestly one of the reasons I honestly don't share very much that other people have written. <laughs> or that other people do. It's not because of a, 
of, a, of an arrogance of mine in terms of, well, I need to be the only one saying it or only one writing it. It's just that I have to weigh how I'm engaging and responding by what they're saying and how they're saying it, not just what they're saying, but how they're saying it. So got to be careful, not just about what we say, but how we share, because it does matter. No one, this is another great quote from a professor um, that contributes to the Harvard Business Review. This is, no one in history has ever been insulted into agreement. No one in history has ever been insulted into agreeing with one another. And yet, most of how we choose to engage online and communicate with one another when we are disagreeing is very insulting. We assume the other person doesn't know what they're talking about. We assume the other person is ignorant. We assume the other person is uninformed. We assume the other person is an idiot. And we have to teach them or correct them or help them see the error of how they're thinking or what they believe. We don't think that we're insulting them because we want to be careful with our words, but just the fact that we feel like we have to correct them and we have to explain things to them, we have to challenge them where we feel like they're wrong is just our constant drive and desire to be right. James goes on to say not just how important our words are in terms of slow to speak and and uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. He talks about the damage of our words. He, he, he says it this way. We can make large, a large horse go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a ship, a huge ship turn wherever the, the pilot chooses to go, even though the, the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a giant forest on fire. He goes on to talk about just the damage that these fires can cause, the damage, the tongue. It, it cannot be tamed, is what he's trying to say, without the help of God, without the help of, of the Holy Spirit. You cannot tame this tongue. And here's the results. He goes on to say that sometimes it praises the words, the tongue. It praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble up with both fresh and bitter water? Right? He gives these examples again. Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. This is, this is James's version of you kiss your mother with that mouth, right? That's James's version of this. That the tongue is, is, is a problem and can be a problem because you cannot tame it in your own will, and your own strength. This is something that needs God's help. And that's the results of this is that the same, the same words that praise God and pray to God and the same words that want to give testimony about God and the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, cannot be the same tongue, cannot be the same mouth in which the cursing of people, in which the insulting of people, can come. It's not supposed to work that way. It's not supposed to be natural. You're not supposed to be living out of both sides because that's not how it works. And guys, I'll be honest, we need to consider the fires that we start. Okay, the tiny sparks that we start because we are not we are not intentionally thinking about how we engage in these conversations or how we're responding in these conversations. And we are we are li- living just as a culture in the wake of these fires that our words and how we say things, not just what we say, but how we say things make a difference in people's lives. 
Listen, just for a few minutes, I want to walk towards the practical side of, of some things, um, and then I'll have a few more scriptures to share with you. But here's some of the practical that, that we do have to understand when it comes to engaging in disagreements um, and some of the options that we have and some of the things that we're doing intentionally and some of the things that, quite honestly, we're just going with the flow. And it's causing issues. Causing issues in our church, causing issues in our society, causing issues in our country, causing issues in this world because that's the trend by which all things are moving. Here are two things that I think happen. And I'm, again, I'm trying to be a little bit more simplistic on this, but, and I know it's more complex, but there's two things that I believe happen when we disagree or when we disagree. Two things can happen. We can discount it and them. Okay, I'm talking about the information and the person. Or we can discover it. Now, I want you to think about the last big disagreement you had or something you saw that you engaged in, that you disagreed, you had a different opinion, you shared you know, something different. Um, I want you to think about the way in which sometimes you respond. Now, one of the ways that happens when we discount you know, someone or something, there is a sense of apathy. Now, that's, that could be all it is. Like Apathy is when you say, look, I could care less. You know, what that person thinks, what that article says, what that information is, I could care less. And, and it's the real kind of care less. Like, you really honestly could care less. It's not like sometimes in marriage when you and your spouse are talking and someone says, I don't care, but they really do care, and it sits inside and it festers all up, you know, and it kind of causes problems later. Yeah, that's not the kind of I don't care I'm talking about. I'm talking about apathy, where apathy really is, I really don't care. And you throw it away and you discount it and you discount the information and you, at worst, start to discount them. Again, because you're insulting them. They're idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. They're not, they're not wise enough. They're not as smart as me. They're not right. They're wrong. So we discount them. The worst part about that is the subtle shift that we see happening in our culture is that we begin to treat them like an enemy. Now, you would never say they're an enemy, but the problem is the, the subtle shift that's happening begins to treat them like an enemy. So I'm going to read this so you can hear, uh, hear what I've written so you can understand the, the importance of this. This is the new idea that if someone who disagrees with you is now an enemy, the subtle shift makes a huge difference in disagreements. Why? Because the enemy, their opinions don't count. Their opinion doesn't count. Our enemies are part of the problem. They are not part of the solution and finding the solution. Our enemy is someone else, not us. Our enemies can be discarded. They don't need to be included. We treat our enemies with revenge, not respect. And the problem is we do begin to discount them. And that's the hardest thing to imagine. When you begin to discount someone, not based on, not information, not something that they believe, you start to discount them as a person that matters. Person made in the image of God. When you start hearing yourself internally say, oh, that's just, you know, that's just Tim. Uh, that's just, you know. And sometimes that's apathy, but sometimes it's a subtle shift where you've decided their opinion doesn't matter. And guys, it's, that's a sad state that we're allowing ourselves as followers of Christ to fall into in disagreements. Okay, the, we, listen, we have a real enemy of our hearts and our souls and our mind. We have a real enemy who's at work. It's not Bob who thinks masks are stupid. Okay? And it's not Susan who wants masks to be like a federal law that's enforced. They are not the enemy. 
And again, I know you would not think or say that out loud, but the problem is, is that there's a subtle shift in maybe how you're treating people. And you, believe it or not, are starting to treat them like an enemy. That's what it looks like to discard it or to discard, discount it or discount them. But, but really, what, what, our, what our goal should be is to discover that when we disagree, we should be in a place of searching for empathy. Okay? Empathy is that ability to understand and share the feelings of another person, to understand why they feel that way and, and share, understand you know, like, like what makes that person think that way. There's also charity, which is grace, right? It's, it's kindness and love. It's the forbearance. That's a good Bible word, right? It's the forbearance with one another is charity. I do believe there's a quick exercise that you can use to sort of train yourself to begin to change the way you disagree and change the way you might naturally discount someone or versus discover, uh, discover more about them or maybe try to discover some understanding. Uh, the, this is a phrase I, I think most of you guys are familiar with. Anytime you start saying these words, I don't know how someone could think like that. I don't know how someone could think that, and you fill in the blank with what that is. I don't know how someone could, could do that. I don't know how someone could support them. Now we get political, right? I don't know how someone could support them or support that cause. Anytime those phrases start to come up in your mind, I want you to remember the three key words. Three key words in that is I don't know. It means that there's something you don't actually know, that you're either uninformed of, you're ignorant to, you don't understand, you don't comprehend, you don't follow the logic, you, you don't see it from the same perspective, that there is actually something you don't know. Now, it takes a little bit of humility, and it takes a little bit of, of desire to, to, to begin to admit that there, is things you, that there are things you don't know, that there are things that you, you may not be understanding. And, and to hear someone that disagrees with you and to have the ability to, to hear yourself say, ah, I don't know how you can think that, to really begin to go, you know, I, I don't actually know why it is you have that thought. And to decide to, with empathy and charity, to discover what that is. Not to change your mind. Not to change your position. Not to change how you engage. But to actually begin to understand. This is a great quote by Stephen Covey. That most people aren't listening with the intent to understand. They're listening with the intent to reply. You know, that, that, when, that we're in a conversation, I'm really not listening to understand what you're saying. I'm only listening to the degree that I need to reply back to you with what I think is right. And our goal is no longer empathy and it's not charity, especially when it comes to disagreements. Our goal is to win. Our goal is to be right. And in order for those two things to happen, someone has to lose and someone has to be wrong. And guys, that's, that's ultimately not what we should be shooting for. This is a, this is a, I'm going to go down a little psychological trail, but I want you to follow this. Everyone speaks and shares in terms of content and opinions. It's complex. There's multiple things happening. And I just want to walk you through a few things that, that really does kind of walk through the complexity of, of someone's opinion, someone's belief, someone's uh, statement, if you will. Everyone, I'm talking everybody, speaks and shares from these three things. What we believe is true, okay? Now, you've heard me talk about my truth, and that's a phrase that people use all the time, like my truth, my truth. But, but there is an element of that that is true, that what you believe is true, what you trust is true, is always going to be foundational 
in what it is you say or what it is you share or what it is you, you speak. And it may be different for people because this is where subjectivity comes. Okay, this is why, this is why what most what people, anyone who says this is an objective statement is just saying this is an objective statement because it's what I believe is actually true. <laughs> subjectivity exists in the things we say and our opinions because they are our opinions, right? So we, part of what we say and what we share comes from what we do believe is true. But it also comes complex and mixed with our cognitive and implicit biases. Now, this is sort of rooted preferences, and I'll walk you through just a few that I think are kind of at play right now in our society, especially around the COVID and coronavirus conversation. And there can be cognitive and implicit means it can be something that's you know consciously happening. It could be something that's really so deep rooted that you don't even know is there. The bias that you don't even know is exists. There's confirmation bias, which has pre-existing views and confirmation of, of things around it in terms of, of of supporting that. There's hindsight bias. There's a false consensus effect, which is also known as the bandwagon effect in terms of of the narrative or the or the or the you know more and more people are thinking this way, so therefore it kind of confirms a bias in you. There's a self-serving bias, which I think is fascinating in terms of, I think we all suffer to a degree of some self-serving bias. There's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Now, this is the one that just threw me, and I love this. The Dunning-Kruger effect, you need to look it up, but it says this, that the more you know about something, actually know about something, the more complex it is and the more cautious you are about sharing it. The less you know about something, the more simplistic you make it, and sometimes the more confident you become in sharing it. I know nobody wants to hear that today, okay? But the reality is is that there is a Dunning-Kruger effect in all of us in terms of a bias that the more and more and more and more that we actually study and know the complexity of something, we are a little bit more hesitant, a little bit more cautious to make it as simple as some people want to make it. But sometimes the less we know, the more bold we become, the more simple we make things black and white. There's also the optimism and pessimism bias, and I, I will admit, <laughs> I have an optimist bias. Everyone know, who knows me knows that. When it comes out of my mouth, it's going to have an optimist spin, if you will, right? Because that's, there's a bias in me, and there's multiple, and that's one of the things I study. There's multiple biases in us that cause all these things to be, to be compounded in what I believe is true and the biases that are at work in how I share things and what I say. Don't discount personal experience. Personal experience is one of the strongest anchors in terms of why we share the things we say and why the things, regardless of what someone's logical reasoning is, you have a personal experience that you you cannot change. And all these things are at work in the things we share and the things we speak. And so part of discovering, part of empathy and charity is is when I disagree with someone. Listen, I I have a niece who's a, a nurse, Okay, and she, she not only has to work in the hospital, she's on the front lines of dealing with, with right now the, the COVID pandemic, and, and uh, she's dealing with all of that. She's seeing it all happen. She's in a state. She's in Michigan, so it's really locked down. It's very different than a lot of other states in terms of how they're treating things. And she herself has also been sick. She's also, uh, you know, contracted that and had to go through this, the, 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 the time of healing and walking through. And now she's back uh, to work. When, she, when I hear her share or, or see a post or, you know, talk with her about some of those things, I, regardless of whether I agree or not on, on specific things, it doesn't matter. I understand because I've had the, the desire to discover 
why she feels the way she feels, why she would share that, why she would say that. I also have friends who, you know, their business is, 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 is ending. They're, they're, the things they poured their hope and life and money and dreams into because of this pandemic and because of the response and the economic crisis that we're going to experience in the wake of this, um, their business is gone. Their business is coming out from underneath them, and, and, and they're, they're the kind of people that go march at Raleigh and, and want to reopen North Carolina. And I look at them, and I may not agree all the times in everything that they think and everything that they're saying, but I understand why they feel the way they feel. The disagreements that come in this, you know, with these people is not a lack of the fact that I'm discounting the information and discounting them. I've chosen empathy and charity. I've chosen that even though there's disagreement, I don't have to let it cause division because I seek to understand and I seek to want to know why they feel the way they feel. You know, this whole, this whole loving one another thing that Jesus was pretty adamant about, <laughs> we as followers of Christ are supposed to be doing that. This is not supposed to be just lip service. Okay, Paul reminds us, uh, and he reminds, reminds the church in Rome. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Okay, just because you've slapped the Christian bumper sticker on you does not mean that anything you're saying right now and sharing right now is in love. Because you may not love anybody but yourself. You may not love anything but the need to be right. Well, don't just pretend to love others. Don't let cursing and love come out of the same mouth. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. He's not talking about what you think is wrong. He's talking about biblical truth. He says, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Live in harmony with each other. This goes down to verse 16. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Wow, can we just stop there for a minute, right? How many conversations have you had lately where you took that position of you wanted to honor someone, you wanted to live in harmony with them, and you do not think you know it all? Never pay back evil with more evil. It's not a tit-for-tat thing. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. And do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can. Okay? Don't, just because someone attacks you and attacks a position doesn't mean you go back and forth and repay that evil for evil. Don't, it's not a tit-for-tat thing. We want to look for ways to honor one another in relationships and words and conversations. What a difference it would make if that were the goal. To actually discover why people feel the way they feel. To actually recognize that we don't know things. When we say we don't know how anyone could think that way. Understanding the, the fullness of what, what, what kind of, just how complicated it is in terms of the opinions that we share. And not devaluing people or, or apathetic in terms of just discounting them or the information that they, they feel is important. We live in freedom and responsibility. Guys, we are free. We're free in our faith. We're free in Christ. We live in a free country. We are so, the pictures in terms of being followers of Christ, we are also supposed to be responsible. We're supposed to take our responsibility of how we engage with people, how we respond to people seriously. Our freedom comes with a purpose. And I love this, this verse in Galatians. This is Paul to the church 
You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your nature, your sinful nature. Let me just, do not use your freedom to simply try to constantly prove that you're right. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this command, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, love others as I have loved you. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Guys, if we keep assuming that we need to agree on things to be unified about anything, we're going to be in trouble. If we keep allowing differences of opinions and differences and disagreements to cause division in our relationships, guys, we're going to be in trouble. Because the biting and the devouring and the arguing and the constant mess that I see online has only one outcome, and that is destruction. And that is the goal of the actual enemy, right? To steal, kill, and destroy. We have to be very, very intentional in, in how we engage and how we respond. I'm, I, you've heard me say it. I don't, di- I'm, I don't agree with a lot of people. There's, there's going to be disagreements in life, but it doesn't have to cause division. And I don't have to agree with you in order to stand with you united in Christ. And that's the bottom line I want you to see today. The disagreements without division allows us to remain united in Jesus Christ, okay? The disagreements, they allow us to remain united, united in Christ. How do we do it, right? How do we, how do we do that? How do we not allow them to cause not only divisions, but how do we allow them to, us to be reunited in Christ with people that I, I don't agree with? How is that possible? Well, you're just going to have to tune in next week because it's too much for one message. I want to just challenge you today. Think back to the last month. Think back to the last week. Think back to every post and share and conversation you've had on Marco Polo and with your family members and house party and little things you've dropped and little statements you've made and bombs you've put out there and things you've shared. And I want you to think about how honoring you've been to others. Guys, we're going we're gonna to connect as a church again. We're going to come back together as a church. Eventually, hopefully everyone, but we'll start this Sunday, this next week, with connecting with people. And as you slowly integrate back into in-person worship at some point with you and your family eventually, um, I, have a, I have this feeling that there's going to be people that you've not been very honoring to that you're going to see again. There's going to be people that have not been very honoring to you that you're going to see again. And it may cause some tension. may cause some strife. may cause some issues that you already know are there because you've not really been intentional about how you're loving one another. You've used your freedoms to satisfy your need to be right. Versus using your freedoms to serve one another in love and to search for empathy and to search for charity and to use those things as your goal in harmony and in honoring one another.
I hope you'll join us again next week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for um, just the challenge of your word. Um, There's so much here, God, that could change our lives instantly if we would allow your Holy Spirit to do a work today. That far too many of us are going to listen to this, be somewhat challenged a little bit intellectually by this, and then we're going to go on just doing what we've always been doing, responding, discounting, living out our own sinful nature, living out of our own desire to be right. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just remind them of these words, remind them of your word, remind them of the check in their spirit um, to convict them when they don't know how someone could think that way, but the reality is they don't know and that they have an opportunity to discover it. God, that how we say things matters just as much as, as what we say. And God, we don't ever want our witness of you to be damaged because out of the same mouth that we praise you and out of the same mouth that we declare the absolute hope that is you, Jesus, that we're also insulting people in disagreements. God, I pray that your spirit would do his work today in our hearts and everyone who's watching now and watching later because we really do want to honor you and by honoring others, we honor you. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.